The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Holly, it's it's interesting because the last year we've we had a chance to talk with uh, Mark Wahlberg with Father Stu or uh, Life Mark Films and Kirk Cameron and the sure. the Chosen, which has been absolutely huge. But there's something to be said, Holly, about uh, Left Behind and the movies and the series and just how incredible it is. Yeah, actually, Left Behind the first one back in the day, I think with Kirk Cameron, yep. terrified me as a child. It ensured my um, <laughs> salvation. <laughs> So I'm very excited today that we get to speak to uh, someone who's a part of a, a sequel to mm. a Left Behind. Yeah, who who better to talk to than the the man himself and Kevin Sorbo, my friend? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, thank you. We'd like to ask this skill testing question, Kevin, because we just don't know where it's ever going to go. And that question is, who are you and where did you come from? I come from a little town called Mound, Minnesota, which is about 25 miles west of Minneapolis on the beautiful shores of Lake Minnetonka. And we were home to Tonka Toys. So there's your trivia question right oh, there. Oh, nice. Yep. So I grew up in a little, little tiny little town. And uh, at 11 years old, I decided I wanted to be an actor and I was going to follow that dream. My mom said, that's nice, dear, when I told her. But, you know, so mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or fireman or something. I wanted to be an actor. What does that step look like in saying, like, because I had a dream I wanted to be an astronaut, and I mean, here I am in radio. How does one go from an 11 at a dream to then becoming uh, an actor to the stars? I don't know. I just I just stuck with it. I always believed it. I was a jock. I was a football, basketball, baseball guy. And then in college, I uh, double business major, but I had a minor in drama. I started doing a lot of commercial work in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. We're home to a lot of big national headquarters that people probably aren't aware of, from Dairy Queen to Target to... Pillsbury, General Mills, 3M, all that. So I did a lot of commercials and I got the all important Screen Actors Guild SAG card. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had no problem getting a commercial agent before loading up my old beat up car and moving to Los Angeles after college. And it takes some chutzpah to like make it in the industry in LA. But you definitely had that and you were able to navigate a very, I think, difficult industry, especially with faith. Oh, well, you know, the whole thing about L.A., they call it the city of angels. It's really the city of broken dreams. I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people get crushed. I think of all the people I had. I, I took three different acting classes uh, before I got my series Hercules over over the years when I was there. And I, there's very few that went on a huge success. I mean, it was really my last class that I had quite an amaz- amazing graduating class with with Brad Pitt and Matthew Perry and Charlotte Ross and people like that. Uh but when I, I look back at it now, that most of these people now are, are long gone. It's a tough business, but I was determined. I, I remember that, you know, I had a friend of mine tell me before he moved out there, he said, Sorbs, remember, it's called show business, not show show. I had a double business major, marketing, advertising. So I, I marketed and advertised myself because as an actor, you are your own product. And I... I, I bug my manager and agent all the time. I said, let me have the chance to be rejected. I mean, it's kind of amazing, too, though, because if you look at, like, Hercules over 100 episodes, you look at Andromeda over 100 episodes, like, for somebody to have a career where you've had two very successful shows before the movies and that, it, it's it's somewhat unheard of. Yeah, I was fortunate. You know, when, when we hit, uh, we had uh, Andromeda, Andromeda went five years, Hercules went seven years, because we had a first year, we did five two-hour movies, which is equivalent mm. to another 22 episodes. Yeah. And, um I, I, I went on to ask my manager, I said, how many shows make it to a fifth season? And he said, oh, it's about 3%. Oh, wow. So think about that. There are a lot of shows that get canceled after the first year and second year. Very few get to five years and beyond. And I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I even did the last season of The O.C., and that was a pretty successful show. But yeah. they quit after four seasons. They were done. 
So um, I was grateful for that. And then I just, from then I just started getting into doing a lot, bunch of little movies, independent movies, whether it was television or Hallmark or ones that made it into theaters. I just kind of went down that road because that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I love doing series, but at the same time, I was kind of, you know, ready to do something different. Do you see a big difference though between series and movies? Cause series, you get to play this, you get to build up this character where in a sure. movie, you might only have that two hour window. When you're doing a series, it's like a factory. It really is. And I'm not complaining about it. I loved it. I loved doing both those series. I had a blast doing it. You get very tight with the, that becomes your family because you're there yeah. 12, 13 hours a day with these people. You're there with them more than your own family. So I remember it was very emotional when the last day came on both series to say goodbye to everybody, you know, and, uh, I didn't, I said, I said the same thing to both groups. I'm not going to say goodbye and I say, see you later because mm-hmm. we're in an industry that our paths will keep crossing again. And, uh, it is tougher than anything else. I remember when I got Hercules, Joe Pesci, who's a dear friend for over 30 years said to me, he goes, Oh man, you're going to work your butt off. Mm-hmm. And he worded it differently because he's Joe yeah. Pesci, but. <laughs> 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 he, he, he said, he said, those, those days are brutal. And I was, I was on Hercules because I had to lift weights. I mean, I, I was always a jock anyway, but I was working out an hour and a half every day after wow. my day. And I was pretty much 17 hours door to door every day. Wow. And that's a long day on the road, but I loved it. And I loved working on it and had a blast doing it. But, uh, movies can, uh, movies are kind of a, a different beast. And it's, it's, I enjoy doing it because the movies I do, you shoot maybe four weeks, five weeks on these things. And I'm not doing James Cameron spending, you know, 10 years to do one episode of Avatar. Uh, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This is coming out in the 26th in theaters. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just curious, though, because it's you start in Hercules, Greek mythology. You go to some sci-fi. And now you've transitioned into sharing stories about your faith, like through here. Mm. How did that transition come to be? Well, actually, this is kind of interesting because it's sort of full circle for me right now. Um, my first really unapologetically faith-based film, I think all movies are faith-based, by the way. If you're if you're, mm. you're an atheist, that's a pretty strong faith to believe in nothing, but that's, that's not true. the story. That's true. It was called What If? And What If? was funded by one of the co-authors of Left Behind. It's funded by Jerry Jenkins. Mm. And the director of that was a guy, his son, named Dallas Jenkins, who's doing that little movie, the TV show called The Chosen yeah, right now. Right. Yeah. So um, that movie was written by the same guys that I did the next movie called God's Not Dead, which was a huge right. hit. Mm-hmm. What if, in my book, is a far better movie than God's Not Dead? But here's the, here's here's the, the the hurdle you got to go over with independent movies. How do you get them out there when you don't have James Cameron's hundred million dollar advertising budget, where you can put Avatar in every football and basketball game that people are watching? We hope people like you help us spread the word to get these independent movies out there because these movies are really good and really well written. And God's Not Dead was like an anomaly. It just took off with word of mouth. That $2 million movie made $140 million. And uh, I've been doing a lot of those movies since. I, mean, I did another movie called Let There Be Light that I directed. I did a four-month run in theaters. Um, I've got Left Behind coming out. I got Miracle in East Texas I directed coming out in the fall. Um, so, you know, I'm going to keep plugging away doing these movies because I really feel this is my calling to do movies that have a positive message instead of all the hate and anger and divisiveness that they keep in the, you know, the, the agendas that Hollywood keeps throwing down our throats, whether it's in movies or television shows. Do you think uh, looking, I mean, Holly and I are part of the music industry and in radio that it used to be, you sign up to be a part of a record label. Now everybody wants to be independent. Do you think that that works better for you in the film industry because of the independence? You have maybe a little more opportunity to do things that you wouldn't be able to do behind a big, massive, you know, push. Yeah. No, I mean, no question. I mean, I, I, when, when I, Hollywood pretty much booted me out about 10, 11 years ago, they said we can't work with anymore because. Things you're saying, people know that you're Christian and conservative. I went, wow, 
You're, mm. This is the industry for decades is, you know, freedom of speech, um, yes. a tolerance. Tolerance is always a big word of them. I go, but I guess it's a one-way street with them, which is really sad to me because I don't harbor that anger and hatred towards people that don't have a religious view like I have or a political view like I have. I just don't. And I don't understand where we've gotten to that, but I, well, I guess I kind of do. I think it's education. Um, the cultural war is being run by Hollywood and the mainstream media. So I think there's been decades of brainwashing going on as well mm. to just hate people that have, uh, that are Christians, which is really weird. And they, we, we the same people will ferociously defend other faiths, which I find very odd. Yeah. But apparently if you're a Christian, that makes you a leper in the Hollywood world. But I've been very grateful to still find a way to keep this industry going because I love the creative process. I love being yeah. on the set. I love directing. I love acting. I still, I love being on creative people. Um, you know, the, the quality of these two to three, four million dollar movies they do visually are just as good as these $300 million movies without the visual effects. So, um, that's, that's, that's a blessing of the equipment being so cheap now because technology mm. obviously gets cheaper and cheaper. I'm going to keep plugging along and do these. I got five of the movies I shot last year that will be out late this year or early next year. They're all in the post-production uh, stages right now. And I got five movies lined up this year. I, I leave actually for February to shoot two movies. And then I'm going to be directing another one coming up later in the summer. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's dial into your faith. You said you're a Christian. They labeled you as being conservative. When did that part of your life really become from head knowledge to heart knowledge, your faith? I think my teenage years, I think, I mean, I've always, I grew up in, as a Lutheran church, typical Norwegian, Scandinavian blood in the state of Minnesota where everybody's name ends in Thompson or Olson or Johnson. <laughs> and, um, uh, it's always, it was always there. But when I was, when I, my teenage years, we had a really cool youthful youth pastor. Mm. And I, every Wednesday we would go to after football and basketball practice, we went to the church, uh, the, from, from 13 years old to 18 years old. And we had a place called the room. And in that room, we had you know, beanbag chairs and beat up sofas and stuff. And we were sitting there and talk about the Bible, talk about life, talk about school. I mean, he made it really easy because the pastor of the church was a seven-year-old guy that scared the hell out of me. And he's the <laughs> one that did say, read the book of Revelation, because that will scare the hell out of you. And yeah. you, you said it did for you. When I was yes. like 12, when I read it, it read like a sci-fi novel. It really did. Yeah. I mean, it's really unbelievable. But as I got older and really understood it more, it's really about redemption and hope and faith. And uh, that's where we're going with Left Behind movie. This is the sequel, as you mentioned, of the movie that came out in 2014 starring Nicolas Cage. I took over the role of Rayford Steele in this as well. And this is six months after the rapture now. So this is, what is the world looking like? What, what they, there's going to be even more chaos because all the Christians are now gone. There'll be people that will live in denial. They will, and you know it will. They'll, they'll look at it and go, ah, it couldn't have been. That was no God. That was like aliens. They'll come up with something. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like back in the old days where they made all these mythological gods because they wanted to feel uh, secure about why did the sun come up, you know? So he goes on his own journey. Okay. My wife is gone. My son is gone. They were Christians. They all tried to get me to go to the church. I would never go. I was wrong. I was in my, plane flying. I saw my co-pilot disappear. I saw half my, the people in my plane disappeared. So I saw it with my own eyes. I know it that exists because she warned me about the rapture and to looking through her Bible with everything she marked and going to the church she uh, would always attend and just sort of following that path. I love the fact that they leave my college daughter behind because I got a feeling 95% of all college students will be left behind if the rapture happened today. So <laughs> thank you, public, thank you, public schools. And, uh, 
college professors appreciate what you're doing to our children. Over the last few years, we've had a, we've actually had a chance to talk with a lot of authors, and they're writing books about loneliness. They're writing books about depression. They're writing, and it, it, we'd have this conversation and saying, "Wow, it kind of seems like the perfect time for you to release this book because of the COVID and all that stuff." Why do you think that this film is so important right now? What's interesting is about uh, Paula Land and uh, Jessica Park, who were the writers of the script. Paula Land has been the one that uh, with Cloud Ten, based out of Toronto, that has owned the book rights for the last thirty-five years. They had a, a total rewrite about a year and a half ago and they brought it into today's world from what the mm. script originally had they changed it by 90 percent easily and they brought in the pandemic didn't name it but they talk about it. they they brought in the whole fake news world and they were finally yeah. one one newscaster says enough is enough why can't we tell the truth anymore um we bring in uh, a, uh political leaders that want one one world order right are we hearing that in today's news and one currency you know, just total control. Because yeah. as you know, government's favorite weapon, not only here in the USA, but around the world is fear. They love controlling their people with fear. And really, I keep telling people, the only person you have to fear is God. People let fear rule their lives and they let failure rule their lives and they're afraid to do anything. So they're going to blame a God they don't believe in. They're going to blame government, family, friends, the world, you know, please take care of me. It's not my fault that my my dreams didn't turn out when the reality is they got to look in the mirror and say, you know what had happened? What am I going to do about it? But most people do not have the guts to do that, which is really unfortunate. And I think that's what drives this hateful, really uh, divisive country we're living in right now. Yeah, it is so true. It's one of those times where it's one, you just, you're waiting to be canceled. The whole oh, I time. got canceled. Facebook took me down uh, two, two years ago because <laughs> Zuckerberg and his minions uh, don't like truth. It drives them crazy. But I'm still, I'm still on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, K Sorbs, K S O R B S. And uh, I do, I do funny things like I need more conspiracy theories because mine keep coming true. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Those are the things I post, but it's funny. Everything I said in Facebook, if I said it now, they wouldn't take me down because everything about everything that was going on during that time. Okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess it was true that way, but I'm going to keep doing these movies. Once again, leftbehindmovie.com. I do want to get that in there. Leftbehindmovie.com shows you the trailer, shows what theaters near you. We have 1500 screens. Support these movies, guys. I get stopped yeah. all the time at airports, hotel lobbies. Oh, we love God's Not Dead. Let there be light. Soul Surfer. Do more movies like that. And I go, I'm doing it. But you guys got to get word of mouth out there when you find out about these movies and fill these seats because we only get a four-day run, okay? If we get really filled up these places in four days, we get a second week and a third week. You want to keep these movies in there because it's got a good message. It's not in your face. It's not you better believe in God. This is an action thriller. And I think yeah. people of all faiths and non-faiths will actually get something out of this movie. It's pretty interesting. Uh, here in Canada, we don't always get the screenings of these kinds of think movies. I think we're in three 300 um, screens okay. up in Canada. Okay. Where, are you guys, where are you guys based? Uh, well, I'm out of the GTA in Toronto. Johnny's out of Edmonton in Alberta. Yeah, well, we shot we shot this movie in, in Calgary. And I shot another movie in Calgary. It's coming out uh, in the fall, we'll talk about then, called Miracle in East Texas. True story about the largest oil refine in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. And I showed it to a group of pastors in, in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And they're like, oh, hey, I know that area out there in Kilgore. And I said, no, you don't. It was shot in Canada. <laughs> and they said, why would you shoot a movie about Texas? It's a true story set in 1930, yeah. right in the heart of the Depression. Yeah. Why would you shoot it up there? I go, well, number one, you get a better tax credit. Yeah. Because Toronto, Vancouver, my second series Andromeda shot in Vancouver. Yeah. I said, but number two, I shot on a 3,000-acre ranch that – Clint Eastwood used for Unforgiven. And if it's good yeah. enough for Clint, it's good enough for Kevin Sorbo. 
Yeah, Elbert um, is a great film industry. It's oh, it's fantastic. We had a group, same crew for both both movies. We had a great yeah. crew. I want to I want to dive into you uh, on, on two different levels. What is sure. the difference between Kevin director and Kevin actor? I'm much more stressed out when I'm directing. <laughs> There's a lot more pressure on me with that. But I but I love it. I started directing back in the Hercules years. So I've been DGA now for well since 1996. So mm. 20 what is that? 26, 27 years now. Um. I, I love it. I learned a lot from just being on the set all these years. I learned a lot to be smart enough to hire good people to be around me. You know, if if, if I'm president, I want to hire good people around me so yeah. they can know what they're doing. So I want to, you know, I, I if I hire a makeup person, I hire a camera guy or a lighting guy. I want to, they know their job. I don't know their job. I know enough of it. I, I've been around it enough, but I'll say this is the look I'm looking for. And I let them take it from there. Yeah. And it's trusting everybody else around there to do their job. Because um, when you're on a movie set, television set, it's really, it's like creative chaos is what it is. Because just mm-hmm. before they say action, everybody's running around. There's re- lights, there's camera things, there's hair and makeup, people still going. And once you say action, boom, it becomes that scene and cut. And then it becomes cra- chaos again. But I love it. I love, I love doing it. I love being part of it. And, uh, I work quick. I am a Clint Eastwood disciple. I've golfed with Clint. I've known Clint for over 20 years. And I love the fact I tell young directors that think they got to work 16 hour days. I go, you know, Clint Eastwood shoots eight hour days and makes Academy Award winning movies. Okay. There's a lot of wasted time on movie sets. And I know that. So I've always been, what are we waiting for? Let's shoot this thing. And I don't cut that quickly. I was always, if, if there's, Something I want changed in a scene a little bit from a direct actor. I once they finish the scene, I run in. We'll say, "How about this?" I remember you're really mad. At me. You're really mad. Just pick it up a little bit and get back out. Because if you cut, it just brings the level down from the actors yeah. again. Because then all of a sudden there's a 15 minute relight and all that kind of stuff. I like to keep it going, and I I learned that from Sam Raimi, who was my exec producer on Hercules, and I, I love the way Sam directs. When we had a chance to talk with uh, Kirk Cameron, uh, we talked about him and his wife and being in the movie industry and whether or not they wanted their kids to be in the movie industry. Uh-huh. I, I look at you. I look at your <laughs> wife. What's it like working with family on the set? Well, you know, we're, we're homeschoolers. And I think one of the blessings of COVID in America is that two million more homes uh, woke up. There's two million more homes now that are homeschooling because we saw the craziness of America's public school system. Uh, which is just total indoctrination and just nuts and just, uh, not, not educating, just basically enslaving kids. And so, um, my kids grew up on movie sets and there's no intimidation for them because they've been on sets. So my two boys who are now 21 and 19, uh, 10 years ago, they came up and said, dad, we want to act. So I put them in a class for three years and they studied real hard and they were really into it. And now, both of them were in my movie I directed. It came out in 2017 and 2018 called Let There Be Light. It had a four-month run here in America. And uh, it's a very lovely movie. My wife wrote it. And I directed it. And I uh, hope people check it out, Let There Be Light. It's a great, great movie. Really well written. Because we had a guy that come and did a rewrite on my wife's work. That's an Oscar-nominated writer. They did a great job in it. And my oldest son now has been in like six movies. And my other boy has been in like four or five and um they're going to be my son got in this one i made him read for the role no. uh, and the writers liked it so much that they actually added a, uh, added a more scenes for him but we got a great cast in this with neil mcdonough um uh, people if they don't know him they'll recognize him right away i think he's a fantastic act actor been doing it for 30 40 years um uh, corbin bernson uh bailey chase um uh, sarah sarah fisher who's fantastic <laughs> who's very dear friend of mine. She she plays my daughter in it, and then she played my daughter in a sitcom we shot 
a while back. And then Greg Perot plays the, uh, plays the news anchor, plays Buck. Yeah. We just got tired of the ridiculousness of the political correctness and the lying through the mainstream media. So just a great cast in this thing. And it's just, just great people. In fact, I'm going to be, I'm filming a movie in LA. I got to leave here pretty soon. And so I'll be in LA. Uh, the week this opens up January 26th. So I'm going with most of the cast. We're going to go watch the movie together. What's the importance on society having these films available for people? Well, number one, the books were so highly successful. I think this is my roundabout way. I said it's kind of full circle for me that working with Dallas and now all of a sudden I'm doing his dad's movie mm-hmm. uh, based on one of his books. And by the way, Jerry Jenkins, Tim LaHaye passed away a few years back, but Jerry gave us a quote that we could use. He said, this is by far and away the best left behind movie I've ever seen. And it's perfect. Mm-hmm for the times we live in right now. And he's not wrong. And so that's really what I think this movie will have impact on people when they see it. And that's why I say people of all walks of life can watch this movie, whether they're believers or not believers. It is a political action thriller based on the book of Revelation. I hope people, when they see the movie, they walk out and not only have a discussion about the movie, but they open up the book of Revelation and read it. Just check it out and take a look at it because it's, it's very fascinating that, and I'm surprised Hollywood, with all the visual effects they could do now, wouldn't want to do something like this, but really follow the book of Revelation instead of following their own way and hiring like an atheist director or something, which they would probably do. We have the opportunity uh, every time that we, we talk with somebody, uh, artist or author, or athlete or actor, right. uh, we ask a, a question, why me? Where in the hills and valleys of life, you ask God that question, God, why me? Why are you using me this way? Or why Am I having to go through this? Kevin, can you think of a time where you had to ask that question? Why me? Uh, yeah. Um, at the end of season five on Hercules, I was having all kinds of problems with my, with my uh, left arm. Couldn't figure what was going on. Um, I was doing most of my own stunts because I was a jock. My ego said that I could do it and I enjoyed <laughs> doing it. And um, I flew back. I, I spent the seven years in New Zealand. I flew back to L.A. and I was doing publicity on my first big budget movie, Call the Conqueror, which is the prequel of Conan the Barbarian. I finally went to see my doctor because my arm was just I couldn't think it was going on my arm. It was, it was really weird, different kind of pain. He found a lump up here in the shoulder, way up here. And so I went uh, before they're going to do a biopsy on it. I went to see my chiropractor and he's working on my shoulder. And all of a sudden a voice in my head said, don't let him crack your neck which is a weird thing because I've mm. been seeing this chiropractor for eight years. He's never, ever, ever cracked my neck, ever. Mm. The voice got louder. Don't let him crack your neck. And I was arguing with the voice in my head. He cracks my neck this way. It was an aneurysm that had been sp- spitting blood clots down forever. That crack uh, formed something that neurologists said they call retrograde flow, when the blood can go the other way like salmon upstream. Well, I had a series of clots that went on my brain. I suffered four strokes. And uh, the speech came back, luckily, pretty quickly. But I spent the next four months learning how to walk, learning how to balance again. Um, I still have a 10% loss of vision in both eyes. It was 50% at one time. But we, it was training with my eyes I did, this thing called the Alexander Technique. I was all this kind of stuff. I got back most of the vision. And I went to that why me stage. Here I am, careers exploding. I'm on a series that's the most watched TV show in the world in 176 countries. I'm getting movie offers for the first time, big budget movie offers. $30 million was the call one. I had another $30 million movie I was supposed to do there, but obviously I had to drop out because I, I had these strokes. And I did that why me moment. I did, God, everything was going great. Why Why does this have to happen to me? And I, 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 I have always been a person of faith, but I never needed faith until this hit me. So when it hit me, I had to kind of fight through it. And I think because the faith upbringing I had because of my parents, because of my wife, who was a strong Christian, every time I got down, she's a New Yorker, tough New Yorker gal. And she said, Kevin, it happened. What are you going to do about it? And I've always been very strong willed and I pushed myself. 
10 times more than what the, the, the neurologists and the physical therapy they wanted me to do. I pushed myself that would just wipe me out. But I mm. knew that I was that jock, no, no pain, no gain sort of mentality yeah. that I had to fix my brain again somehow. And it took me three years to fully recover, but I recovered. And then I wrote a book called True Strength, my journey from Hercules to mere mortal and how nearly dying saved my life. And it was uh, an amazing journey for me in that book. I didn't want to write it. My wife bugged me to write it. It's been a godsend because it opened a door for me that I never thought I'd be going down. It was public speaking. I do about 15 speaking events a year. And uh, it was because of that book. And it was really, that was really a God thing for me. And it, it, it made me actually stronger in my faith because I know that was God warning me and I just didn't pay attention to the voice. And uh, I've learned now to listen to the voice. A little better, so. <laughs> Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist, coming up in theaters January the 26th, leftbehindmovie.com. Kevin, this has uh, been incredible. Thank you for taking some time and hanging with us. Thank you, guys. Go to sorbostudios.com as well. God bless, and have a, have a, great, have a great week, guys. So I have a secret to tell you. You're a huge fan of Kevin, and this was like big dreams come true? I, I, I've, I've actually met Kevin before. Did I ever oh. tell you the story? No. Okay, so I was at a radio conference in Florida. Okay. And I was with uh, one of our other coworkers, Lisa. Kevin was across the uh the room from us and she goes, "Oh my gosh, it's Kevin Sorbo. We should go and get a picture with him." And I said, "We don't do that. We're not that type of person." <laughs> so she goes, "You're right. Okay." So she goes to the bathroom. Yeah. And so I run over, Kevin and his wife are there, and I'm like, "Do you guys mind if we get a picture together?" And like, "Sure, no problem." So there's a picture of me and Kevin and Sam. And so then a day later, you're Lisa's cool. like, oh, man, I wish we would have met Kevin. And I'm like, oh, you mean this? And I showed her the picture of us. And she's been angry at me ever since. I'm angry for her at you. That's terrible. I, I So having a chance to now actually sit down and chat with him oh, for 25 minutes was, so was that's exactly what we needed. Oh, no. Poor Lisa. You're a horrible <laughs> person. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Be careful. You will be left behind. If I am, you know why. Exactly. It's kind of interesting to see where in 2000, uh, what was a Kirk Cameron thing to a Nicolas Cage thing in 2014 yeah. to where we are now and how even the difference between 2014 to now is only six months in, in the in the film industry. That's true. And you know what I love is that Kevin refused to be canceled. Often we are afraid to speak our truth, to share with others what we believe because we're afraid of offending people. We're afraid of being canceled. We're afraid of not saying the right thing. And here he was like, fine, cancel me. I'll just create um, incredible films and, you know, just speak the truth. And his no. schedule made me tired. It's funny because we talk, we talk with these, uh, these individuals and he's like, oh yeah. And I have this movie coming out in this movie. I'm like, okay. So he might be the very first repeat guest that we've ever had because yeah. every month he seems to have a new film coming out. Yeah. It's so true, but it's so needed having um, positive stories that give encouragement uh, in the midst of what's been a really dark couple of years. Yeah, no, it's very true. So uh, get out there. What I thought was two weeks that you had for film, Kev had told us, no, it's four days. So yeah. we need to be able to get out and support. So this Friday is when it's going to come out and it's a chance for us to get out there and support as best as we can. So make sure you check out the website to find out where it is playing. Share this episode with your friends wherever you get your podcasts. Look for Why Me Project. But I mean, if you're listening to us right now, you've already found us. So share the link and hopefully they'll be encouraged to know that um, people in Hollywood have gone through hard times too. And there's so much that's going to be coming out, stuff that's already out to encourage us. 
Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you're listening to this, it means that you've downloaded wherever you download your stuff, but maybe you're not following us on all the socials. And that's another way to support us. Exactly. Or hit subscribe if you are checking this out on YouTube. There you are. And uh, you can also check out faithstrongtoday.com. 